Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Amen. Amen. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me. uh, No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know the Father. This morning, if you're taking notes, I want to talk on who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And why we need to give him our fullest attention. So I want to say this morning, he is my love. He's not a theory. He's not something to grasp, even though we need to take notes. But he's somebody you and I love. And I want to take you on this journey. If Jesus is not the center message of our life, then the gospel is not preached. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no forgiveness. Without Jesus, there is no salvation message. Without Jesus, there is no wholeness. Without Jesus, there's no faith, forgiveness. Without Jesus, there is no message. So my question to us this morning is, is Jesus the centrality of our life? Is he the center focus of our life? Is he the lover of our soul? Amen. Last year, I had the privilege of attending Evangelism Boot Camp in Orlando, Florida, and I got to sit under uh, Nathan Morris, Eric Gilmore, Todd White, um, couple of other guys who are incredible and it just totally messed me up. But this one guy in particular by the name of Eric Gilmore, my goodness, the way he talks about Jesus, you can truly see that he lives out this pure, authentic relationship about Jesus. Everything about Jesus just oozed out of him. He's written a book called Jesus is Enough and it's an Amazing book because it's talking about taking the church into a deeper connection with Jesus. And this morning as I began to prepare, I mean this couple of weeks as I began to prepare for this morning, I was just going through the notes as to what brought change in my life. What did God do to get me closer to Him? We're not playing church, church this morning. We are encount- we're here to encounter the one and true living Jesus. Amen. My goal is this morning to crack open the door to the king's chamber so that the ray of light from his beauty will blind our hearts to every other desire except Jesus. Amen. Paul the apostle said uh, that His only fear was that the church would be led astray from the simplicity of Jesus. So he made a radical decision to add nothing more to Jesus and Jesus being crucified. You see, my friends, Christianity is not about success. It's not about, it's not about seeing miracles or having people healed or, uh, you know, prophetic words being spot on. It's about beholding Jesus, beholding him. That is what true success is. Francis uh, de Sales once said, we become more occupied with love than the beloved. Meaning we've been more occupied with gifts and healings and miracles, even though they're all good, than the beloved. We cannot cheat on God 
with the stuff he's given us. Those gifts and those talents, he gave it to us. But sometimes we're so wrapped with them that we're not wrapped with the one who has given it to us. If it's not to him, if it's not through him, if it's not in him, it does not exist. All our ministry exploits, all the miracles, all the praying, all the laying on of hands, if it doesn't come from him and if it doesn't go to him, it is nothing. You know, because we're relying on our own efforts and own way of just doing stuff, what Jesus said, but we're not actually in tuned with him. Abraham in the Bible, when he sent his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac, he gave a whole heap of jewelry and gifts and stuff like that. And when the servant came to a well after a long journey, he found Rebecca there. And then he realized this is the perfect woman for my master's son. So he gives her the jewelry and it doesn't say Rebecca just stayed at the well and admired the jewelry and enjoyed the jewelry. She, without hesitation, went to the groom. Imagine if Leo gives me all these gifts, but I do not go to spend time with him. I do not go to be with him in his presence, to be intimate with him, to love him. I mean, there are many married people in the room. I mean... How many of your, your husbands would be, feel really rejected if you do not go to him to just love on him and show affection? That would be sad, right? Imagine our children coming into our presence only because they want something, not because they just want to be in our presence. Jesus is everything. He's the Father's only sermon. He's heaven's light as there's no sun there. He's the object of heaven's affection, heaven's saintly and angelic choir, singing of him eternally. He's the source of their lyrics, the means by which they sing, and the object of their adoration. His spirit makes the song audible and gives them breath. There's no temple in heaven because Jesus is the temple. He's both the temple and the one who fills it. He's the heart and will of the Father and the Son of His love. He's all in all there. May He all in all be in our hearts. That was written by Michael Koulianis. Uh, This morning, who is Jesus? I hope you are buckled up and strapped up and you've got your phones and your iPads and your notebooks ready because we're going to go through scripture. And it's going to be a lot of scripture, so I'm going to get you to pay attention to the screen, please. He's the person of the Godhead who fulfilled the promise given in Isaiah 43, 11, who said, I only I am the Lord and there's no savior beside me. He is the fulfillment of the promise given to Adam and Eve, born of a virgin in Isaiah 7.14 and Matthew 1.23. The seed of a woman who gained victory over the grave and crushed Satan under his feet. Jesus is the son of the living God who was with God before time and creation. The most definitive way in which God has revealed himself is through his son, Jesus. How amazing is that? The, uh, John writes this epic prologue in the gospel. And in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his home among us. What does it mean? 
in the beginning, the word existed in the heart of God. It was with God, but it was made flesh through Jesus. Amen. He's God as reflected in verse 1, who came and lived as fully man in John 1.14, Deuteronomy 18.18, Daniel 7.13, Colossians 2.9, He was condemned by the Jews and Gentiles alike. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate, died as the Passover lamb and slain before the foundations of the world, was buried and rose again on the third day. How amazing is he? He was seen by witnesses in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and 1 Corinthians. He appeared and ate with his friends. There's no discrepancy of his resurrection. And he ascended to heaven in Acts 1, 9 through to 12. And we will see his imminent return in Revelation. When God sought to speak to the human race, which is you and I, he did not send a book. He sent a person. Jesus wrapped in human flesh. Amen. Jesus was God's message in flesh. In other words, we are to interpret every word written in the Word of God, every word spoken in and through Jesus. I want to say this morning, He is sovereign. He is in control. He is righteous. He is good. He is immutable. He never changes. He reigns righteously and His righteous reign never reigns. He's greater than the angels. He's higher than the priests. He's the ancient of days. He's a person, a taste, and a resting place. He's a lamp in the light. He's all power and might. He is Jesus. Do you want to know this Jesus? Do you want to know him intimately? Or do you want to know him intellectually? What is it that you are searching this morning? Knowing Jesus means to having a relationship. And you must all know what it means to know Jesus. But I want to remind us all this morning that knowing Jesus as a Christian is not just knowing him intellectually, but knowing him relationally. Knowing him relationally. Jesus prayed uh, this prayer in John 17, 3, and he stated that eternal life is knowing the one true God and the son whom he sent. Our relationship with God is so important. It is when we are vulnerable and it is when we open up our hearts and our lives and we are transparent and we say we can't do this without you and we need you and we want you. Talking to him regularly because you want to have that relationship. Knowing Jesus is believing that he conquered death. Knowing Jesus is believing that he paid the price for our sin. How amazing is that? You and I are sitting in this auditorium today knowing that the resurrection power of Christ has redeemed us from every curse, every sickness, every sin that you and I could think of. We cannot take it for granted. We really can't. Church, let me say that knowing Christ has nothing to do with works. It's just knowing him and putting our faith in him. Amen. 
So who is Jesus? The Bible says in John 3:31, he who comes from above is above all. It means he's high above everything and anything you could think of. He's high above people, he's high above circumstances, he's high above it all. Thomas the disciple declared this about Jesus, my Lord and my God in John 20:28. 20, and he does not correct him. Paul the Apostle describes Jesus as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter, an apostle, says the same, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist declared this about Jesus. Behold the Lamb in John 1.29. And we get to the end of the book of Revelation and we are singing, beholding the Lamb. We start and we finish beholding the Lamb. Honestly, I hope you're sitting here this morning because you want to get to know this Jesus in an intimate way. You want to know your beloved so well that you walk into the room and you smell his perfume. You sense his presence. You sense his tangibility in the room and in your life. Amen. Friends, the more we look at him, the more we look like him. And the more we look like him, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, there is less opportunity to be hurt, to get offended, to go down a road you're never called to go. Amen. John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who himself is God. What does it mean? No one has ever seen God but the one and only son. The word one means there's no other. The word only means there will never be another. This passage declares that Jesus stands high above anything and everything. The fact that Jesus is called the one and only is because nothing else exists in the heart of the Father other than His Son. God is so interested in his son that he took 1,600 years to put the Bible together, all but to say one word, and that word is Jesus. God's heart throbs for Jesus. He wants to know if you and I, uh, does our heart throb for Jesus? This beautiful name was given to him by his father, and we see it in Matthew 1.21. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Everything the father is about to do is through this beautiful, matchless, divine, name above all names, Jesus. Your cure for anxiety, your cure for addiction, your cure for whatever you need in your life is Jesus. When we seem like fear is lurking at our door, when anxiety seems to be stressing us up, our cure is Jesus. When all seems lost, I want to say that Jesus is the answer. When evil seems to have the upper hand, he is good and he has you in the palm of his hand. When change sends our minds raising, he is unchanging. Let's get back to a radical commitment to Jesus. Amen. The writers of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. If God expected man to pay attention to his prophets in the time past, how much more should we be paying attention, attention to the incarnate word of God made flesh who dwelt among us? God knows that a man's heart is so fickle 
that he or she can easily drift away through offense and hurt and disappointment. So he says, pay attention, my son and my daughter, lest you drift. Lest you drift. James cautions us in his letter to love nothing but Jesus. Peter's advice was to look at Jesus like the lamb shining in the dark place. Paul's passion and determination was to know the exalted Christ and to stop people from falling into legalism and religion. Let me tell you, we are not called to fall into legalism and religion. You are a free people. You're a royal priesthood. You are free. You are set apart for his work. And we do not have to go back into religion. Mary from Bethany cherished Jesus so much in her heart that when Jesus came to visit her and her sister, she threw herself at the feet of Jesus. She didn't care about the answer she needed or the circumstance she was facing. Her brother had just passed away and Jesus was four days late. Instead of going and grabbing him and saying, Jesus, why weren't you here earlier? Mary goes and throws herself at the feet of Jesus. Mary shows us that she loves the Lord of the work rather than the work of the Lord. Let me say this morning, he seeks to be sought, long to be long for, he waits to be wanted. He waits to be wanted. I believe we could pin every personal problem you and I have gone through to a deviated gaze. At some point, Jesus got replaced by either somebody else's opinion or your opinions being louder in your ears. But you might say, Christine... My eyes are on Jesus. I haven't stopped paying attention. Then may I suggest you've added to the message of Jesus through other people's opinions and other people's thoughts or your own thoughts. Whenever we add to his message, like the the word of God says you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. And then when we say, yeah, he heals, but we don't know if it's for today or we don't know if it's going to happen today. We're adding to the message of Jesus. We're not meant to do that. When I stop looking at him, I stop seeing him. When I stop seeing him, I stop desiring him. And when I stop desiring him, I seek to fulfill my own desires and own opinions. You see, loving and looking are tied together. It would be really a scary thought if I'm loving on my husband by looking somewhere else. Wouldn't you think so? I like he'll say, "What's wrong with you, honey?" It's like I'm I'm loving, but I'm also looking. I'm not looking somewhere else. He needs our undivided attention. When we stop looking, that's when we start desiring other things. It changes my value system. It changes the way I think about people. It changes the way I respond to people. Everything about me changes when I stop looking at Jesus. Because we become so me-minded and we become so, oh, I'm hurt. Oh, I'm wounded. Oh, I am this. I'm that. But you know why? Because we're becoming introspective rather than looking on Jesus and loving on Jesus. Michael Kulianas once said, in order for my heart to love him, uh, my eyes must see him constantly. So why is it important to pay attention to Jesus? Because as Christians, we are lifelong learners, number one. 
And number two, the world and the media is constantly forming opinions within us, within and setting boundaries and parameters and telling you things and re-undoing what the Word of God is saying about you. So it is so important to pay attention to Jesus. Young people, could I speak to you for a moment? Honestly, some of the ads that you and I see on TV makes you think that if you don't have that or if you don't look like that, you are not perfect. It is not true. Media is constantly changing, trying to change the way a person is looking and being. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Do you remember being at school and your teacher saying, pay attention? Were you a daydreamer at school? I was one of them. So don't be reluctant. Let's have some fun. I was one of those daydreamers. But when the teacher asks you to pay attention, it's because what she or he was about to teach you was going to be important either in life or a test you were about to have. We should never miss an opportunity in paying attention to that which will equip us for life, for relationship, for work, for marriage. Amen? Can I challenge you for a moment? Like 2020, I don't know how to say it any other way. It's been quite an interesting year, last year. And some of us have gone through many obstacles and many things. And I feel like some of us have, you know, when the train tracks are not aligned properly, it, it feels like you're off the train, uh, you know, the actual track. Uh, and the, I believe that the Father is bringing His church and back, His people back in line to seeing Jesus and Him alone. So if you feel like you've been dislodged, if you feel like you've, you've fallen into something you shouldn't have, Jesus is wanting to put your focus back on Him. Amen? Proverbs 1.33 says in the message translation, pay attention to me and then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. What amazing assurance that Jesus is giving you and I, that you and I are in good hands when we put our attention on him. But here's the bad news. Jeremiah 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 10 to 3 says this is what happens when you don't pay attention. Take a good look in the mirror, each of you, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, refusing to pay attention to me without listening to me. And for this, I'm getting rid of you, throwing you out into the cold, into a far and strange country. You can worship your precious no-gods there to your heart's content. Rest assured, I won't bother you anymore. Wow, what, what, a, what a passage of scripture. What he's trying to say is in this season, we cannot get caught out in pulling the log out of our friend's eye. Jesus is saying, pay attention to your own life. Get the log out of your own eye. Get the things out of your own life rather than somebody else's life. Because one day when we stand before God, we're going to give an account for our life but not somebody else's. My husband's not going to be standing with me when I stand before the Father. I have to give an account for my life. So I want to challenge each of us. Just when you keep your eyes fixed on Him, 
Ask him to bring correction. Ask him to bring alignment so that you can put your focus back on him. Amen. Why we may not be experiencing breakthrough or rest or uh, the bliss of his presence is because we're fighting battles we're not called to fight. Because our eyes at some point uh, were taken off Jesus and now they're focused on situations and circumstances. He has never called us to fight. We need to keep our eyes locked on him. Otherwise, we are going to engage in battles you and I are never called to fight. And then we get exhausted and depleted because Jesus said, I never ask you to engage in that battle. I never ask you to have that conversation. We need to pay attention. I heard Eric Gilmore say, if we love him partially, there will always be an area he's unable to fulfill. Church, we need to take stock of our appetite because it dictates our life. Whether it be food or possession or more of God, it will dictate the path you and I are taking. So we need to take stock of where our appetite lies. I'm not saying that you cannot play sport or sport or have fun or go out. God wants you to have fun. He wants you to enjoy life, but all in the context of him being the center. Does your lover, does your beloved walk into the room where you want to go have fun with? He wants to have fun with you. He's not somebody that he says, oh, Christine, I don't want you to have fun. I just want you to be a hermit in a room. He's not like that. He's a loving Jesus. He's a radical Jesus. Honestly, he just wants to just release you and free you into things this morning. And he's wanting to break off those box patterns of Jesus that you have in your life. It's a clear indicator when we stop being hungry that there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong. When you, we stop hungering for the presence of God, there's something wrong. We need to take stock. John Piper puts it this way. If we don't feel a strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is, because, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things. And there's no room for the great. There's no room for the great. Why are some people growing and others aren't? It's because some are giving Jesus their fullest attention. And that's why they're thriving and they're leaping. Whereas others are playing half seas. One foot there, one foot here. Jesus says, I demand all your attention. And you might say, Christine, how do we do that? How do we do that every day of our life? How do we give him our attention? Do I go into the room? No, you don't. When you're driving in the car, you are mindful of his presence. When you're talking to somebody, you are mindful of his presence. When you're loving somebody, you're mindful of his presence. When you're hugging and smiling, you're mindful of his presence. When you're cooking, you're mindful of his presence. When you are looking after your children, you're mindful of his presence. When you are preparing for work, you're mindful of his presence. He's there with you. Luke 9, 34 to 35 says, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. God, the day God gave that, you know, he said it and it's still active today. He's saying, pay attention to my son. 
So here are a couple of reasons as to why we should pay attention to him. I'm pretty sure you guys will come up with a few more. Number one, pay attention to Jesus because he unleashes his wisdom and his blessing. Wisdom comes from paying attention to the Father. Let me say that this morning. Proverbs 4.1 says, Hear my son, the instructions of the Father, and pay attention in order to gain uh, gain and to know intelligent discernment, comprehension, and interpretation of spiritual matters. Number two, pay attention to Jesus because he gives us eternal life. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. Number three, pay attention to Jesus. Uh, uh, paying attention to Jesus helps us stay clear of deception. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our heart is deceitful above all else. So then what are we to do? Stay close to the word of God. Eat the word of God. Live the word of God. Uh, continue in the word of God. That is what's going to transform our life. Amen. Pay attention to Jesus and you will never lack spiritually or physically because he's the bread of life. Pay attention to Jesus because he keeps us from falling into sin. Friends, holiness is a fruit of being addicted to Jesus. Can I say that? Being addicted to Jesus. God cares about us so much, so much that 1 Peter 3, 12 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord are against those who do evil. God cares. He cares. He gives us instructions for life. He says, Christine, I want you to do this, but I want you to avoid this because there are so much pitfalls. He says, he gives us direction and discernment for relationships, who we should associate with and who we shouldn't associate with. You know, I was spending time reading about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is um, quite an interesting story because he was a rich man and he was hated by many because he was the chief tax collector. And, um, And he was rich because he was pocketing people's money. He was, you know, taking more than what he ought to from the poor people. And tax collectors in the first century were hated by the Pharisees and the Jews and things like that. And and. When he knew Jesus was coming, he climbed climbed up that tree, climbed up that sycamore tree. And I don't know what made him do that. I don't know if he heard about Matthew, the tax collector that started walking with Jesus, as mentioned in Matthew, or the, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. We don't know what got to his ear, but whatever it was, he climbed up that tree. To see Jesus. He was definitely opening himself up to ridicule. Anytime we want to see Jesus, there's going to be a cost involved. There's going to be a price that needs to be be paid. Climbing up that sycamore tree would have looked quite comical. This short man in his business attire climbing up that tree to see Jesus. And Jesus saw him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus, not physically, internally. He knew where he was. Adam and Eve in the garden, 
when the, when Jesus asked Adam where are you it's not that Jesus did not know where Adam was he knew exactly where Adam was but he wanted to see if Adam knew where he was I believe this morning Jesus is asking where are you Where are you my son my daughter where are you You see Jesus is so amazing to Zacchaeus that he makes a beeline to him. He runs. He doesn't care that this man is hated or he was a defrauder and he's wicked and all sorts. He makes a beeline to him and he says, "Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house for supper." As if Jesus was saying, "It is of the greatest importance that we quickly leave our sinful condition and come to the salvation of Christ." You see Zacchaeus was so thrilled to have Jesus in his house and there and we could see a conversion taking place because he gave half of his wealth away. And Luke ends that account saying for the son of man have come to seek and save the lost. Our seeking of Jesus makes all our wrongs right. All our wrongs right. Psalms 27:4 One thing I ask of the Lord this do I only seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord Sorry that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple That was David's prayer to seek the Lord to gaze at his beauty This one thing do I seek and I want Is it the one thing you want? Is it the one thing you are seeking? Eric Gilmore shared this story. He said he was trying to cuddle his little girl and she was trying to push uh, uh, him away and she he said to her, "If you don't let me kiss you, there's no way for you to know how much I love you and no way for you to know how to love me back." You have to be touched, you have to be kissed, you have to be wooed by the Father. Could we stand to our feet? He wants to draw his church into a deeper place of intimacy with him. To be kissed, to be loved and to be wooed. Could we have our eyes closed please for a moment? Jesus has a romantic heart. He wants to love on you, he wants to kiss you. Could you not worry about the person to your left or to your right? I'm going to ask Herman to lead us in this worship song. And I believe while all eyes are closed, if you feel like you haven't placed your undivided attention on Jesus you haven't given him your love he's jealous for your affection he's jealous for your love if you haven't given to him while all eyes are closed i want you to raise your hand you've been listening to the GGC life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, 
ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.